Welcome back, everybody. It is Wednesday, March 24th, and we are through two rounds of the uh, 2021 NCAA tournament. For lack of a better word, it's been absolute um, mania the entire time. Um, lots of upsets. Um, the highest, uh, I think, ever in the history of uh, March Madness combined seeds um, to be this far. It's like the average seed, I think, is a 5.6 or like in that area. So crazy times right now in uh, March Madness. And there are, are lots of takes to uh, dig it into. Yeah. And the most important thing is Villanova's still in it, still marching. Uh, I was I was just happy to have, you know, basketball games on pretty much all weekend, all the time. It was so great. It's a ton of upsets made it really, really fun to watch. Although my bracket is just uh, in pieces. So, yeah, I think everyone's is. It's just a matter of how many pieces you have left, you know, because uh, <laughs> nobody's perfect at this point by any means. Well, yeah, um, I guess with that being said, we can talk about the cats. Wow. We put on a show. Basically, from the jump, we were in control of that game, and it shows just how good we can be. Um, and uh, well, I guess more importantly, how good Jay Wright's system can be um, when we're at full strength. I think we shot around 50% from three for the game, and I think overall, like it was a total team effort. Um, like there was no, you know, one star. I think Jeremiah and uh, Jermaine have taken on a lot bigger roles on the team just because of Colin's absence, but. When we can shoot like that, we only allow, you know, 8.8 turnovers a game and then also under nine offensive rebounds per game. So we're not going to hand out extra possessions um, to other teams, which has been a big, um, I guess, common point throughout these uh, games so far is teams like Oregon State can can upset guys um, because of just how well they've been rebounding and um, keeping the uh, possession going on the offensive end. But in terms of uh, Villanova, we were able to keep those down and make shots, which I think put the entire um, NCAA teams left on uh, notice um, with these next few weeks coming up because we can beat anybody playing like we did uh, last weekend. Yeah, I mean, the three-point shooting was just absolutely crazy. I mean, the team caught fire in the game. You were right, 15 of 30 from three. Eight players hit a three-pointer in the game. That's, you know, tied for a tournament record. The the shots were just falling from everywhere. Chris Archidiakono hit two threes. Is First field goals of the year. Uh, it was great to see Eric Dixon even to the three. That was, it was really great. The team put up a 142 offensive rating, which is just absolutely insane because, like, Gonzaga this year and Villanova in 2018 put, like, 122 offensive rating like, over the course of the season. So the offense was really just firing in all cylinders. And then when the team's also just not turning the ball over, there have been points in the season, different games, where turnovers have come to bite them. I'm thinking specifically that's that first St. John's game when that press really – really bother the team but when they cut the turnovers down and they're shooting that well from three it's it's really it's really tough to hang with them I mean they, they can honestly beat anybody with a performance like that I think I agree it's great to see that coming from the young guys too you know it's like I was gonna say that same stat eight players with threes it's tied for a tournament record it's you know it's really encouraging stuff and I wanted to get you guys's opinion on I don't know if you saw the tweet by Andy Katz, he was ranking the top 16 um, teams that are left in the Sweet 16, and he had us second to last at 15 and Creighton at last. And um, I was a little hurt by that. I I, I know, um, you know, we don't have Colin anymore, but I think, um, I think they're underlooking how good our team is. Now we're about to play perhaps the second best team in the whole tournament. So, you know, things aren't 
aren't that optimistic against them. I mean, they're playing like an NBA team in Baylor. But, I mean, we're obviously greatly coached. We still have the biggest player of the year in Jeremiah Robinson, Robinson Earl, and he's playing as good as he ever has been. And we've, we're hitting our threes, and, you know, we're beating North Texas, a hot North Texas team, 84 to 61. I mean, that's we, we weren't even in trouble at any real point during that whole game. I mean, there was one part where I, I'd hold, hold my breath a little bit, but it, we were still like um, over 10 points above them that whole time, I think, like pretty much. And so I think, I think they need to start putting some respect on Villanova's name. And, um, you know, some of the other, t- like they have Oral Roberts ahead of us. And I get it. Oral Roberts had, has had a very impressive performance. Um, and they're the best free throw shooting. So that's, that's cool. But like, they also in the past, I think it was one, two, three, four. Yeah. The the past four wins that they've had have been one possession wins, which is important. I mean, you're winning um, when it matters most, but I mean, when we're beating uh, North Texas, 84 to 61, I think that deserves more respect. I don't know what you guys think. Yeah, I don't know. Those rankings from Andy Katz were just totally so misleading. Um, I, I'm pretty sure he was trying to rank teams off of their ability to win next weekend and not them by themselves as like talent. But he didn't mention that in the rankings, and which shows his like inability to be a quality reporter. But yeah, like I mean, you look at our balance, like I would still give us a larger chance to beat Baylor than Oral Roberts against Arkansas. Like Oral Roberts, like you were mentioning, they basically win and die by the three. Like if the, if the three is not falling, um, their lack of overall talent and ability to like score inside, like completely evaporates because teams wouldn't have to guard the uh, three point line. Um, you know, but we showed last week that we don't need Jeremiah Robinson Earl to put up 25 points for us to win. Like we had four players above 10 points um, Cole Swatter had nine and then Archie Diacono and Brian Antoine both got over 10 minutes. Like Antoine had 23 minutes. They both had 12 points combined. So we're a very balanced team that can give anybody trouble because we don't beat ourselves. Right. We don't turn the ball over 10 plus times a game. Like we don't allow teams to beat us on the boards consistently. So teams will have to hit shots against us to win. And I think, you know, Baylor can obviously do that but they've had times this season where they've had trouble doing that. Like they almost lost to Iowa state. They were down um, at halftime and Iowa state's one of the worst teams in all of college basketball. So to put us at 15 below teams like that, below teams like, like Oregon state um, was a slight that I think is going to give our team some fire. Um, But yeah, I completely agree. I think that was ridiculous. So last weekend showed that we are still the best team in the big East, even without our best player. And shows again um, how amazing of a coach uh, Jay Wright is to get the team like emotionally prepared for this run. You know, Collins like the heart and soul of our program. You know, he's the guy that ran the offense for us, initiated all our offense, and was kind of also the emotional leader of our team. And Chris R.J. Diakono, while he hasn't completely replaced Collins' production, has filled in admirably in his place. And I think our recipe right now for winning can take us all the way to the Final Four. Um, which will be fun when Andy Katz eats his words. Yeah, let me. I'll, I'll push back on that a little bit. I definitely think Oral Roberts is a better chance of beating Arkansas than we do against Baylor. And I think we can open up a little bit. 
looking forward to that game. But I just think Villanova without Colin on the floor is more realistically a team that's going to shoot mid thirties from three. I think Uh, shooting for 50% from the three point line is really what opened up that huge lead. When you have everybody hitting threes in the flow of the offense, that really just, it really deflated the North Texas team uh, throughout the game. And I just don't think Villanova is going to be able to hit shots like that. And then you're also going up against a Baylor team who has one of the best defenses in the entire country. It has fallen off a little bit, but against Wisconsin, they were, they, I mean, they, they looked back the back to, to what they were towards the start of the season. And I am very worried about, about the game next weekend against Wisconsin. Baylor had four turnovers. I shot 47% from three. Um, that game was never close at all against Wisconsin team who really handled North Carolina in the first round. So um, I'd, I'd be interested to see what you guys think about, about that game next weekend, but I, it's hard for me to, to think that that's not, you know, a 10 point loss. Yeah. That's a good, uh, like, I guess, transition to the next one we're going to talk about, but you know, just a quick comment on that. I do think that it will come down to us taking care of the ball. Um, Davion Mitchell, their best player or Jerry Butler, but I mean, they're both amazing players. Mitchell Mitchell forces turnovers when when playing defense against the, the uh, primary ball handler, twenty nine percent of the time, which is absolutely absurd. Um, if Chris R. G. Diacono can take care of the ball, I think we can win. But let's let's move on to the next point, which is the biggest surprise uh, so far in in March Madness. Um, I guess I can start. My biggest surprise um, is the absolute dominance of the Ramblers of Loyola Chicago. Um, I know that they're the number um, one defense in the country and the number eight overall team by adjusted rating in the country. Um, they obviously were over, were underseated at a number eight. Um, their conference does not get the respect that it deserves, but they absolutely dominated the one of the best teams in this entire tournament um, in Illinois. Um, they were they were leading the entire game. Um, it, Illinois had no lead. Um, which kind of speaks to their confidence level. They didn't let them get back in the game. They they forced Io DeSumo, um to one of his worst games of the season. He didn't even get 10 points. He had nine points, and he was four of 10 from the field with uh, three assists and six turnovers, which is two less than we average Nova as a team. Uh, Kofi Coburn did his thing. He had 21 and nine. Um, but outside of that, um, they did not get production from key players like Trent Frazier and Andre Curbelo. But let's talk about Loyola. You know, they they are one of the most well Porter Moser just knows how to get it done in March. You know, they they're one of the most well-rounded teams in this entire tournament regardless of who's left and who's not. Um Cameron Crutwig obviously was a big story. He had 19 12 and 5, which is, you know, that was rivaling Coburn's output, but also from the field. Like they can shoot the lights out. They play as a team. They play team pack line defense. And I think, you know, that that formula for winning will take them, I think, to the Final Four. They're a team of destiny. I, that's a, like an overused term, I think. But, you know, they're a team that um, has shown in the past that they have the championship DNA to make a run. Moser knows how to get his, get his guys ready for the big moment. And um, I didn't – before the tournament, I didn't think that was ever a possibility. Like, I had them beating um, GT. But when it comes to, like, Illinois, that's arguably the best team in the Big Ten – the way that they dominated every phase of the game from the jump um, shocked me. So, so that would be, would be my pick. Yeah. Their, their defense has really just been impressive throughout really the entire season. But then the way they dominated Illinois was, was really surprising. I agree. 
I think Porter Moser is going to get be getting some phone calls from from some other teams looking for head coaches uh, this summer. And you know, I wouldn't be too surprised to see him at a at a higher level, you know, maybe power five job next season. Uh, but I'll, I'll stick in the Midwest for my surprise, and I'm going to go with Oregon State. Uh, they've got two of the bigger wins in the tournament so far over Tennessee, who you know, ten, you could argue Tennessee has been vulnerable. I, I guess I was a little bit higher in Tennessee coming into the tournament. I thought they would be able to put the pieces together with, you know, the talented freshman and upperclassmen that they have on the team. And that just never ended up, you know, coming together. But it, Oregon State has really just, you know, battled through Tennessee and then beating Oklahoma State, who I had going to the Final Four. I mean, really just shutting down Kate Cunningham, making that game, like, you know, winning that game by 10 points is just incredible. against a really, really solid Big 12 team. But, you know, their, their defense has been stellar in the past two games, holding holding both Tennessee and Oklahoma State under 100, 100, under 90 points per possession in the past two games. Um, I do think it may be a little unsustainable. They were 208th um, in, in defensive rating during this season. Uh, but they were definitely one of the teams I did not expect to make the Sweet 16 out of all of them. And I think, you know, more discussion about the Pac-12 could be warranted later. But yeah, they're definitely one of the more surprising teams. They ended up winning the Pac-12 tournament just to even make it into kind of the bracket and then being able to beat Tennessee and then Oklahoma State. Uh, yeah, just incredible. That Midwest region has really been really been chaos, but that would be my most surprising thing so far. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, my most surprising one was Illinois as well. And Andrew already touched on a lot of the stats there, but um, I'll just point out Ayo Dasumnu, um, I don't know if you guys saw his press conference after, but he was like, I was really amazed how responsible and respectful he was. The way he took the loss was really mature. And I expect him to be a great NBA player. And he gave a lot of credit to Loyola Chicago, but he also said, like, we can throw a penny in the ocean, um, which is true. I mean, there were 28.6% from three, which just isn't going to do it. Um, I mean, Loyola wasn't outstanding. They were 40%. Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's a question. Was that more of an Illinois loss or a Loyola win? And I think it was a, it was more of an Illinois loss. I mean, they were supposed to be title contenders. They were supposed, I mean, they won the big 10, which is the best conference in March madness right now. And so, you know, they should be able to beat anyone. And when you're shooting 28%, 20.6% from three, that's just not going to do it. And um, so, so I, I was disappointed to see them lose because I had them in my finals, but um, I, I was very impressed by Dasumu in his press conference. Very mature guy. Sweet. I think we're on the same page on that one, but moving on um, to uh, one team that we were wrong about. Um, I guess I'll start. Yeah. Um, I was wrong about Texas. Um, I thought Texas was one of the best teams in the tournament in terms of, you know, their well-roundedness. Um, they were senior led. Matt Coleman was one of the best point guards in the big 12 this season. And they had a whole stable of big men that could fight with anybody in the country. Um, you know, Jericho Sims, uh, Greg Brown, um, Kai Jones, and they didn't show up, you know, they took Abilene Christian um, like a joke. They didn't ex- expect them to be c- competitive as a three, you know, 14 matchup. Um, but Abilene Christian took it to them. They forced Texas into a 22 turnovers, which was their season high. Um, and they did so without like making many threes. They didn't shoot over uh, 
35% um, from, from three in a game, but yet their ability to break down Texas defensively, get easy layups and make their free throws was the difference. Texas almost squeaked it out. Um, Andrew Jones had a three-pointer with 14 seconds left um, to give Texas a, a one-point lead. Um, but then somewhat controversially, uh, Joe Pleasant was fouled on a putback attempt with, with one second left. Um, it wasn't considering, you know, how the game had gone to that point. People weren't very upset because Texas, you know, had played so poorly. They didn't deserve a break from the referees. But Joe Pleasant um, shot free throws this season at a 58.8% clip. So for him to, to uh, step up in the biggest moment of the season and uh, knock down two free throws uh, was pretty clutch of him. It did break my bracket. I had Texas in the uh, final four, but, you know, I was just so shocked at um, the absolute like inability for Texas to make adjustments mid game and uh, for their upperclassmen players to be mentally prepared for a team like Abilene Christian. Um, I can't imagine that their practices prior to the tournament were all about ball security because that's why um, Abilene Christian would thrive um, forcing turnovers um making you uh, mentally weak. But again, Matt Coleman, Courtney Ramey turned the ball over way too much. Lots of casual three-pointers that didn't go in. Um, and they just flat out weren't, were not ready to play. I mean, Abilene Christian got ran by UCLA by 20 points the next week. So it wasn't like Abilene Christian was a team of destiny. Um, but Texas um, was just an absolute fraud. So that was the team um, that I was wrong about. Yeah, that was incredibly disappointing. I mean, Abilene Christian shooting 29.9% from the field is one of one of the worst shooting performances in a tournament win, I think, ever. Um, and I'll, I'll stick close by for the team I was wrong about, and that is UCLA. I I had them losing to Michigan State in the playing game. I hadn't given them much thought. I thought they were kind of a team working in progress. You know, I talked about a couple episodes ago. They they lost their best player in Christmas for the season uh, with torn ACL. So I thought this would, you know, kind of a wash for the rest of the year. And, you know, the Pac-12, I think, surprised everybody so far. Um, and UCLA, they got a little bit lucky with the Abilene Christian game. But against BYU, they only turned the ball over three times. I mean, Johnny Juzang has been kind of that guy for them recently. And I think, you know, they've done really well to make the Sweet 16 as an 11 seed. You know, I think they got another challenge facing them in Alabama. Um, I'm excited for that game personally. I, I, I'm really high on Alabama this year. So I think, I think Alabama will make it through that game. Uh, but I'm excited to see how – you know, Johnny Juzang and Chame Jacquez. I don't know how to pronounce that. I apologize. But, uh, yeah, definitely a team that I came out of nowhere for me and has has made the Sweet 16 beyond my prediction. Uh, yeah, one quick point on that as well. Um, Jaquez and uh, Juzang, their, their, like, shot-making ability from all over the court is what, like, has been the difference. They didn't play like that throughout the entire season. And I think um, it just speaks to how Mick Ronan has gotten through to his players to have them perform at this level because Mick Cronin as a coach, while he was considered a, a very successful coach at Cincinnati, um, he never really got past the, uh, the uh, run of uh, 32 ever. So, you know, for him to go three and out so far, like in March madness, I think almost gives his team an advantage because they played more games than everybody else with more time in like Indianapolis. And so, you know, I would put them absolutely on upset watch next week as well. Great point. Um, yeah, so something I was wrong about in general was I was wrong about the Big Ten rolling this tournament. Um, I have three Big Ten teams in the final four, Illinois, Ohio State, and Michigan. And Illinois and Ohio State are already out. Michigan's still looking strong. But um, I was really expecting that that conference to, to pull through. Um, but 
one specific instance where I was wrong was the Ohio State one. Um, I mean, a lot of people had Illinois winning, but um, Ohio State, I was really high on them. And um, just to lose in the first round, a two seed to a 15 seed, that's only the ninth time that a 15 seed beat a two seed in history. And so that one was pretty crazy, but maybe I should have, you know, looked into it a little more because this is a matchup tournament. Like it matters so much who you're matching up against. And, you know, you can't just say, oh, this team is really good. I think they're going to go really far. You have to really look at who are they playing? You know, are they hot? Are they on a win streak? Are they, you know, like what kind of leadership do they, how are those matchups, their defense and offense going to, going to face off against what I thought was a great team. Um, and I, I should have seen that, you know, Oral Roberts had uh, only turned the ball. O- they only turned the ball over six times in that game. They had the best free throwing. They're the best free throw shoot shooting team in the nation. And uh, they have no- the number one score in the country and Max Ab- miss. And they shot, they shot under 40% um, from three, but they still won or from the field rather because, they, they just don't make mistakes, you know, and I think that's so important in March. You know, we see that at Villanova right now, you know, you, you can't make mistakes and it, it helps a lot, but it bottom line is it's a matchup. Matchups matter so much in this tournament. I should have looked at that a little more. Yeah, dude. Great, great point there. I do think that matchups um, dictate like a lot of the outcomes coming up. Um, but moving on to the next thing we're going to talk about was one team or I, or like theme that you got, right. Um, I guess I'll start. So I was right about the PAC 12, um, the PAC 12, I thought going in, um, to March madness, uh, was going to be far more competitive, um, than people thought. Um, I picked, uh, Oregon to beat Iowa, a USC, um, to beat, um, Kansas, which obviously happened. Um, but more than that, obviously UCLA, Oregon state are on the sweet 16. They have more teams in the sweet 16 than the big 12 and the big 10 combined. And I think, you know, like if we're talking about like Oregon, USC, it's a shame that they have to play each other because I think, um, had they been on one separate sides of the bracket, they could have been in, in the, uh, Final four. So, so in particular, Oregon, I thought was so impressive in the way they just dismantled Iowa. Um, Iowa has been a pretty bad team defensively all season, um, but you know they had kind of gotten it together on that end in the, in the last um, month or so when they were holding opponents to under um, seventy points a game. Um, but you know, led by uh, Chris Duarte and uh, St. John's transfer L.J. Figueroa. Um, they were able to just come out kind of like a Golden State Warriors attack um, with no player above 6'6 and just rain threes in Iowa. Um, You know, that kind of shot making, again, will carry you against any team with this entire tournament. And past that as well with uh, USC, like Evan Mobley has been as advertised like in March. I mean, he's been a, a beast down low with his brother Isaiah. But yeah, like I mean, these these Pac-12 teams, like they get a lot of talent on the West Coast because they keep their players in state. But I just, uh, as a conference overall, the the Pac-12 has has really put the league on like notice, um, like by saying that regardless of where you're ranked during the season or like who you play during the season at all matters that that you get a bid, and then um, once that bid is up, submitted. Um, the the entire field is like up to you. So I think um, 
the Pac-12 as a conference um, should be looked for as one of the stronger conferences in all of college basketball going forward. One of the areas that I feel confident about, I was whiffed on the Pac-12 entirely. I mean, they looking at it through the season, there's there's not a ton of reason to believe that they would be successful in the tournament. And I think Andrew, you made some good points about it's just once you get to the tournament, it's it's just a whole different whole different game. But I want to take a look at the East region where I feel like the two teams I'm most confident about, Alabama and Florida State, um, in that bracket. I mean, Alabama, you know, beat Iona. It was a little dicey at times, but they ended up with a 13-point win and then just absolutely dominating. A Maryland team that, you know, thought they, they ended up beating UConn in the first round, uh, which is a little bit frustrating. Somebody who thought UConn could have potential to make a, a, a deeper run. And Maryland has a tough defense, and then Alabama just completely dismantled them. 145 offensive rating in the game. 16 of 33 from deep. If Alabama is going to be able to shoot that, they they always shoot a lot of threes. They're one of the highest in frequency from, from beyond the arc. But if they're hitting them at that rate and they also have a top five defense and Ken Palmer has metrics, I mean, it's hard to see who's going to beat them. I mean, they've got to be at least final four if they're hitting minimum 40% of their threes. Um, and I, I like them against UCLA. I don't, UCLA has had a great run so far. You know, definitely surprising, but I think Alabama is going to take them on. And then Florida State, you know, beating UNC Greensboro, who's a, a tough team, a team that plays similar to them in terms of trying to make the game physical, kind of, you know, breaking it down a little bit. And then just also dominating Colorado by 18 points. You know, they held McKinley Wright, Colorado senior guard, kind of best player uh, to, to 10 points. Really impressive performance there. You know, they've held both of their the teams they played against under 83 points for hundred possessions, which is incredible. You know, they've got a really solid Ross, really solid lineup to, to match up with Michigan. I think um, they're going to be able to throw a bunch of different guys at, at Hunter Dickinson in the game. And I really like Florida state to pull off the upset there. Um, that's definitely one of the games that I'll be watching, but uh, Florida state is one of the teams I'm really excited about uh, going forward in the tournament and then Alabama in that same region as well. Yeah. I was actually going to pick that one too, but since you already said it, um, I'll take the other side of the bracket in the Midwest and looking at Loyola, Chicago and Oregon state. Um, both of them have huge upset wins to get to that point and pretty decisive, decisive ones to say the least. Um, and so finally they're going to, you know, meet each other and actually have some adversity. And I, I think that's going to be a great matchup an eight seed versus a 12 seed. And, um, I'm just excited to watch that one. Um, but also, Got us like Michigan uh, versus Florida State. That that's going to be a great game. Can't wait for both of them. Uh, yeah, that also uh, just uh, one matchup to watch as well is uh, Houston versus uh, Syracuse. Um, Houston's defense did come up clutch against Rutgers. They were trailing the whole game, but did pull together towards the end. Uh, that's their calling card. They hold teams under sixty points usually in games, um, so that's how they get wins. You know, Quentin Grimes has been the uh, the leader of that defense um, this season. So to match up with one of the most, the, the hottest team in all of March Madness and um, Syracuse uh, with, with Joe Girard and uh, Buddy Beheim, that should be a, a great matchup just to see, you know, whose offense or whose strength is the larger strength um, compared to the others. So I would watch out for that as well Two eleven, but um, obviously those rankings don't mean much anymore because Syracuse is playing much more like a three seed right now. Um, yeah. Uh, with that being said, um, if there's any last comments about these first two rounds, um, I guess I'll say that 
just being able to watch this. And even though like a lot of our brackets are busted and it's not been the best for, you know, like prediction wise, um, it's always just fun to see these teams come together and compete. Um, just the, the purity of the sport, these teams are playing so hard. Um, you know, like when you watch the NBA games are always in like the hundreds, like the upper nineties, because teams make a lot of shots. They, they don't play much defense, but you know, these grinded out games that we're having right now where, you know, there's like final scores of like 62 to 58 and like 63 to 62. Like it's like so fun to watch because every possession is like an absolute nail biter and um, just credit to the entire like um, committee and March Madness in general for like making this happen because it's, it's been a great um, I guess escape for everybody to just like cut off two days of their weekend, just for watching basketball. So I've had a ton of fun with this and I can't wait for the next three rounds. I totally agree. And just to add on to that point of, you know, comparing it to the NBA, the refs have been great for NCAA, like not calling many fouls. And it's just like, can we please get those refs in the NBA? Maybe we'll talk about that another time, but um, that, that is something I've really enjoyed not calling too many fouls. You know, one, one thing if we're kind of closing things up is like, I feel like we, we love talking about all these teams and you know how it's great that all these teams are making runs and, Oh yeah, I like this team to make the final four. And then I look at Gonzaga and Baylor at the top and it's really hard for me to see anybody beating Gonzaga. I mean, Oklahoma, I thought played one of the best games of their season and lost by 16 to Gonzaga. I mean, Drew Timmy had 30, but I mean, Corey Kispert or Jalen Suggs could also score 30. I think they're going to dismantle Creighton uh, on Saturday or Sunday. Uh, and Baylor Villanova, it could be close depending on how well Villanova shoots. I don't know. It's uh, the, uh, There's a lot of exciting teams here, but I think you know Gonzaga could, could make the case for one of the better teams ever by winning this tournament. And uh, we, we will see if – I'm really confident Gonzaga, but I really want to see a team challenge them going forward. Last point as well. Like I also love seeing, like, even though you might not know everybody on every team, like the, the, the strides, like, like actual, like individual players make is awesome. Like, you know, you like start to identify yourself with players like Buddy Bayheim um, from uh, Syracuse, Max Abmus from Oral Roberts, Jason Preston from Ohio. Like his life story is absolutely crazy. And ESPN has run with that. So you know, these, these guys like who, who grinded their way you know, to get where they are um, and like finally have their moment to like show the entire nation, um, you know, like what they have on the basketball court. Like that's just been like so fun to see because you would never watch an Ohio basketball game during the season because they don't play in a major conference, but um, watching all these games and like seeing these players like change in like front of our eyes and um, increase their NBA draft stock, like, like I know Preston has been talked about now as a potential back end first round pick or, or like at least a draft pick. Um, so that has been also just like great to see, like, you know, we're 20 years old right now. Um, people that are our age, like to go out there and, and like be this, be like the overall like star of the weekend is just been like a great, great, really fun thing to see. So, you know, obviously love March Madness. I guess we can do some lines of the week right now. Like Gonzaga's oh, a 15 and a half favorite so i just take that i think they're going to destroy creighton as well so that's my one advice yeah i'll run with that you know i'll take gonzaga how by however many points i think creighton's like a a worse version of gonzaga so yeah bet all of your money on villanova beating baylor that's the energy we need they're, <laughs> they're taking down baylor yeah 
Well, all right, guys. Uh, thanks for listening in. Um, just uh, looking forward uh, to next week and beyond. Um, we are planning on doing um, an individual show for each next of the round. So expect a uh, Sweet 16 breakdown um, when those games conclude next week. But uh, in the meantime, uh, go Cats. Go Cats. Yeah, go Cats. Mm-hmm.